0: So, take your Bibles now and open up to 2 Peter, chapter 1. I intended to get to verse 11 last week and hope to do it again this week. We started in verse 5 last week, and Peter exhorted the church. He said, If you're saved, add to your salvation. Kind of the big idea. Are you saved? Cool. What are you doing now? Just kind of waiting for the plane to take off. You know what I mean? And sometimes we do that. You get saved, and like, woo! Man, I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> you know, sins are forgiven, destiny's secure. Now we just get to figure it out down here. And God says, well, careful, careful. You do have to figure it out down here. But the reality is, you can write this down. If you're saved, it should show. Write that down in your notes. There's little notes in the back of your chair. If you're saved, it should show. Peter's about to die, okay? Just get the context. Peter was with Jesus for three years, Peter received teaching, training, instruction, modeling by Jesus Christ, and he blew it, and he made mistakes, and he came up short, and he was a real dude, and Jesus anointed him and restored him and commissioned him, go feed, go tend, go feed my sheep and my lambs. So Peter's taking it seriously, and so Peter, one of the greatest authority figures in the church, comes to the church and says, if you're saved, it should show. Now, in Calvary Chapel churches like ours, we we err on the side of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ teaches us to deny ungodliness. When you know grace, it's, it should respond in some evidence. Your life should be changed, and it's not just a license to stay the same, but there should be a serious desire to grow. As a matter of fact, Peter over and over uses words like grow and knowledge and continue and reminding. There's an obligation when you get saved. To grow in the grace and knowledge of It would be like inheriting a gold mine. Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody gave you the claim to a gold mine? like, oh, I got a gold mine. My first question I would ask you is, you got any gold? No, I just got, you know, I don't know. Is that that what's next? Yeah, that's what's next. And Christ has foreordained for you, this is crazy, works for you to walk in. Ephesians chapter 2. He's given to you all the the blessings of God. They're already there. They're in you. And just because you're saved doesn't mean you're done. It's actually when it begins. And this is important you understand that not so you get saved, and I don't even believe so you stay saved, but listen, it's because you're saved, because you're saved. You're going to stay saved because that's what Christ does. He saved you. You're born again of the Spirit. I don't think the Spirit is into abortion. He doesn't abort spirits. He brought you new life. He's not going to take your life from you. Yet it is a cooperation, Dual ownership, dual authorship, where the Lord says, hey, let's go together. Let's do this. I saved you. Now there should be some evidence. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite stories is real time. Actually, my favorite book in the Bible, if you can have one, which I don't know, it might change depending on what I'm talking about, is, is the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts shows the church responding to what Jesus had done. In real life, anybody live in real life? Raise your hand if you live in real life. Okay. The epistles sometimes are kind of neat and orderly, and you know they're just kind of compact. Like, wow, that's crazy, and like I'm gonna try and put that in my life. And you should, like, the scalpel should come into your life and change things. But when you read the book of Acts, it's just kind of gnarly. Like, whoa, trip. Wow, ah, that sounds like Lincoln County, you know? And in chapter 16, Paul gets imprisoned with Silas. Silas is a brand new ministry guy. He's like, I want to be a VBS teacher. He goes to jail. It's like this isn't a good day. You guys read it? It's, it's a great story. And while they're there, they're, they're being persecuted, and they're beaten, and they're imprisoned, and they decide to worship and pray. Amazing, amazing. And in, in in light, the jailer gets saved. You guys remember the story? He's about to kill himself. He's about to fall on his sword. He's going to take his own life. And, and Paul says, no, 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 don't do it. And Paul leads him to Jesus. Here's my point. He gets saved. He's a Roman jailer. He's never heard the gospel. He's a bad guy. He probably had blood on him that was Paul and Silas's. he just beaten them. And you know what he does next? He serves. Instantly, he cleans their wounds. Instantly, he is baptized. Instantly, he feeds them. Instantly, he goes home and leads his whole family to Jesus, and they're all baptized. Like, talk about a revival that night, you know what I'm saying? And Paul and Silas are probably baptized. And like, my back hurts because you beat me last night, but I'm going to do it, you know. And the evidence in this jailer is so profound, the next day he's advocating for their safety and their release, and he's just, and maybe you have a testimony when when you got saved, things were radically different. You know what I'm saying? Right when you got saved, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, everything changed. And yet, a decade or two, I've been in the ministry now for, for two decades, and Peter had been in even longer, Peter's old now. And I think Peter knows what happens as you get older in the faith. You remember, your testimony is now decades old when really a testimony is an ongoing saga, an ongoing exploration of the riches of God and the growth and the knowledge of God and the continuance. And so Peter says, add to your faith. And he lists seven things. Add to your faith virtue and and he lists over and over, growing and he lists over and over, reminding and he lists knowledge. Two big ideas, if you want to write this under that title, and the title again was, if you're saved, it'll show. The two things that he says the most is don't forget and keep growing. Don't forget you're saved. Don't forget that God delivered you. If you forget the great debt that God paid, and that's why we take communion, it's blood. Brutal. Pain, agony, suffering. When you remember that, it kind of helps your, your progression, doesn't it? You're like, oh, crap, what am I doing? Can't believe you guys just heard me say crap. <laughs> I said it like three times at the 11 a.m. service because it's not online. I just kind of like lost my mind now. And you remember the great debt he paid. Listen, the blood. But you also remember the great debt he paid for you. That is, you were, you were buried too deep. He paid a debt. You couldn't pay it. And the great transaction then, he gave you his riches? You're now a co-heir with Christ? God forbid that we forget that. God forbid that we don't continue to grow in that. God forbid that you go to our gold mine and see a boarded-up sign that says, do not trespass, do not enter, condemned, abandoned. Abandoned. This is what Peter's talking about. Now, this is kind of hardcore. Peter has three chapters right before he he taps out. He's going to tap out just real soon. Three chapters. And if you want to just kind of summarize chapters one through three, for a Bible teacher, it's important that I understand this. And for a Bible student, it's also important that you understand chapters one through three. Chapter one, he says, if you want to grow, that's the whole idea. Chapter one's all about growing. Stay in the word. Just write that down. Big idea. Stay in the word. Chapter two is going to warn us about false prophets and false teachers and all kinds of heresies and heretics. So if you wanna grow, stay in the word. If you wanna know, chapter two, if you wanna know what's really going on, stay in the word. In chapter three, he talks about the rapture and talks about the Lord's return. So we're gonna call that, if, if you wanna go, stay in the word. If you wanna know, if you wanna grow, you wanna know, stay in the word. That's the, that's the big idea. Stay in the word. Peter reminds us of these things because he knows that Jesus saved us and that changes everything. And all this, again, is predicated on that. I've been asking that question at the beginning of the services lately is, are you saved? Are you you saved? And if you are, you you should know that you're saved. He's going to tell us that in verses 8, 9, and 10. Be sure to make your calling and election sure. Be be sure that you're saved. We'll we'll talk about that as we get there. But he tells us to give all diligence. Look at verse 5 again as we jump into verse 8. But also for this reason giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then he lists seven things, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. I don't know if I said patience, but it's in there too. Seven things he lists. He says to add. He says to keep working. And I don't know where you are in your Christian journey. If you're on the honeymoon still, or usually when you go on a honeymoon, it's, it's vacation time, you know what I mean? You just get married and you're like, what do we do? Nothing. We're gonna go enjoy our, our brand new relationship, our brand new union. And then you come back from the honeymoon you start to put in work and you start to build a home and build a house and build a family and, and build a, a legacy and you, you build a life. And in our Christianity, if you're saved, there's that honeymoon experience where it's just amazing, it's awesome, and then eventually, though, you got to roll up your sleeves and add to your faith, giving all diligence. And he lists these seven things. It reminds me of karate. Okay, when you become a karate person, which I'm not a karate person, are they called people persons? Are they a karate person? When you, when you take karate, okay, you got to go buy one of those geese. You know, there's little white outfits, and you put the white outfit on. You're a karate person then. And now there's seven, just like he lists, seven attributes. There's seven belts that you navigate through, and you work on them. Put the white belt on, and then after the white belt comes a different color, and, you know, all the way through until you become the, you add them all to, to, to the black belt, which is interesting that he ends this list of seven virtues with, with love, which I believe is the capstone. Adding to it. And again, I'm all into just, man, just honeymooning with the Lord, and this is so good. And when I read my five-by-five five program, there's a little hexagon there. You can just cross it off, and it feels so good. Doesn't it feel good to read the Bible just, just to read the Bible? Like, oh, it feels so good. It just feels so good. <laughs> Have you not done this yet? Man, It feels so good. And yet James warns us. James says, don't do that don't just read the Bible, don't just be a hearer only, deceiving yourself, but be a doer of the word, what, man, that's hardcore, James talking trash to me, don't be deceived, what are you doing, I I ask the question all the time, wouldn't it be rad if when you got saved, you just got raptured, it's over, got your ticket punched, gonzo, no, dude, it's paralleled with raising kids. You have a kid, they're a baby, they're a toddler, they're a young person, they're an adolescent, they're a young man or woman and middle age. they just keep growing. So too in your Christianity, we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're to add. I mentioned this at the second service last week, but in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you now, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's the right thing to do. Give yourself to God, brethren, you're saved? Cool, now give yourself to God. Then in, check that out, trip out with me real quick. In Romans 12, just that one chapter, he lists after that, hey guys, don't, now that you're saved, now that you're a brother, give your life, life to God sacrificially. And then in chapter 12, he lists 44 things to do. How many of you guys think 44 is a lot? Just be honest with me, like, 44 things. Like, you have a to-do list at your house. Anytime it gets over five, like, you're overwhelmed. Like, you need to call in for backup. And Paul's like, yeah, there's 44 things. Just nail them out. I think it's awesome, though, because I kind of like to-do lists, especially tangible ones. He talks about, read Romans chapter 12 again. Paul would say this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He would say, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. You're saved. So cool. Got a gold mine? Legit. Awesome. You're the offspring of God? Cool. Work on it. Work on it. Your life here, your life there depends on it. Eternity. Right now, you and I are building the muscle of faith by what we do and what we do not do. In order that we would get to heaven, we wouldn't be puny people. Because faith is the language, it's the substance, it's the commodity, it's the commerce. Faith is more pleasing to God than anything else that perishes by fire. And so if you're challenged right now and things are difficult and things are weird and your flesh is being exposed and your weaknesses and your sadness and silliness keep showing up, I say, good. Amen. That's why when you go to the gym, there's mirrors everywhere. So you can see how sad and silly you are. You know what I mean? Am I doing this right? Like, uh, evidently not. Don't quit, though, you know. Don't quit. And the Bible is God's mirror to show us where we're at and where we're not. Grow, add, develop. And I'm just gonna, since we're talking about this kind of stuff, continue to exhort you. The reason why people are so shallow in so many ways, not just spirituality, but health, finances, relationships, stewardship, is all traced back to what I would call neglect, laziness, not pressing into the things that matter most. And as harsh as that is to, to say, it's the truth. You find yourself in debt through overspending, not enough income, too much outflow. It's lack of discipline, lack of stewardship. You find yourself out of shape. Things have grown disproportionately. Things haven't gone the right way. It's because there has been lack of stewardship. You find your relationships waning and weakening because of lack of stewardship. Everything and your spirituality. This is crazy. And this is really, really important for the American church in 2021 because we're so lazy. Now we're just waiting for that next handout. Give me another stimmy, you know. Stimmy short for stimulus, in case you don't know. I mean, we're just and, and it's not how it works. And I can't speak for everyone, but when I see successful people, um, something in me tends to quickly consider and deduce that they were either born that way or someone gave it to them or naturally talented and gifted. What I fail to factor in is that that person got up earlier than every other person, worked harder than every other person, took more risks than every other person, and gave more than every other person. I don't know, I, I can only speak for myself, but when I see Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or, or Jeff Bezos or, or Steve Jobs and these guys, I'm like, whatever, dude. That's just that's just their story. They got lucky, that's who they were. And if you study their life, it was discipline and stewardship. They went as hard as they could in their areas of expertise and craft. This is to me, I'm kind of you know, excited, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Read the scriptures, read the New Testament, read Jesus's red letters and see if he did not give exhortation after instruction, after warning that he would return and he would inspect the fruit. <laughs> He's a fruit inspector. You ever go to California, they stop you, you got any fruit? They still do that anymore? I haven't been to California in a while. They still do that? You ever just tell them, yes, I got bananas by the bucket in the back, you know, <laughs> quumcots and all kinds of weird stuff and... And just say, just kidding. Anyways, maybe that's why I haven't been to California. And here's the rebuke I want you guys to, to settle in. And by the way, let's say you take your finances, your emotions, your relationship, your physical health, uh, your spiritual health. Let's just say you decided to just fix it all in one day. Is that even possible? Can you just go to the gym once and just you know work out for you know 72 hours straight? And, and, I don't know, it doesn't work that way. There are principles in play. God has ordained that you need to accept these principles and continue to cultivate, put in the work, let the rest happen, and God brings the increase, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, or spiritual. But you have to honor the principles. You have to do the work. God's the one who brings the increase. But the problem is, there's so many Christians that get saved, their lives take an immediate change from where they were, from where they're going, but then there's a settling. And the settling, maybe just repent with me in areas. The settling is, is I'm not as bad as I used to be. You ever said that before? I'm not as poor as I could be. I'm not as mean as I could be. I'm not as, you know, as I could be. That's, isn't that a crazy excuse? Like that's your excuse? I'm not where I used to be. And then there's another excuse that just kind of sneaks up. I'm not as bad as I could be, trust me, you know. You ever just like get proud of yourself or your Christianity, your spirituality because you know what you're actually capable of? Man, what a weird negotiation. What if we looked at life in Christ differently and said, I wanna be all that I possibly can be in Christ Jesus. I and mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. I prayed for a couple people. One of the guys I prayed for, his name was Tony. I don't see him. He's here probably. And I just prayed for Tony's in the back and I, and I prayed for Tony and, and I just, in and, and the final words, I said, Lord, let the best days, let the next days be his best days. Wouldn't it be rad if you just said my, my, my next chapter, dude, I'm gonna go hard in the things of God. I'm gonna commit to the principles. I'm gonna repent. I'm not gonna just try and be better than I was and I'm gonna not just congratulate myself that I'm not as bad as I can be. <laughs> Weird arguments. I'm gonna go for it. This is what Peter's gonna unpack for us today. This is what his dying plea is. You guys know he's imprisoned right now. He would be crucified shortly after this letter would be squeaked out. And he says over and over again, I'm gonna remind you of these things. It's so important, giving all diligence. And he commands us to not forget, to keep growing, adding these seven things. Look at verse eight. He says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, what things is he talking about? I'm just going to connect the dots to, to the seven things he listed. You're saved freely. It was a free gift. You can't work for it. God just gave it to you. You got the gold mine through inheritance. You're, you're an offspring. You didn't even do anything to get this. Cool. Know that. Okay, we're not saved by works. We're saved unto works. I'm gonna remind you of these things. Look at verse nine again. For he who lacks these things, I'm just gonna summarize these seven things, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgot that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Listen, for if you do these things. In the last three verses, he said three, these things each time. He'll say it again in verse uh, 16. He'll say these things, these things. i remind you, these things. Therefore, brethren, verse ten, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, listen, this is crazy. You will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, this is crazy talk. Absolute crazy talk. Peter in his last letter, like the culmination of his ministry, the last sign off. Pete, what's he going to tell us? Oh, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. It's just going to be hardcore. But if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Two, two things I want you to focus on, and i continue to teach for the next 20 minutes. You'll never stumble. How many, how many of you guys think that's just preposterous? Like, my whole life is stumbling, Look, <laughs> My middle name is Stumble. <laughs> Peter, Peter said something crazy. If you do these things, you won't stumble. Whoa, that's pretty radical. And you'll have an exceedingly abundant entrance into heaven. How many guys have considered what it's gonna look like when you walk into heaven? Kind of like when you're leaving Fred Myers and they leave the tags on your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you just look at the person and run. What's your entrance into heaven look like in your mind? Just gonna kind of walk in, blending in with the crowd, like, oh my gosh, 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 you know, where's check-in? Where's the concierge? You know, oh, this is crazy. Peter says, if you do these things, you'll never stumble, and you'll have an exceedingly abundant entrance into heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? If when you walked into heaven by the grace of Jesus Christ, responding to Jesus, that all of heaven, all of heaven stopped and welcomed you in. Yes. And you walked in. No way. And they didn't place you under arrest right away. Peter spent three years with Jesus, training, teaching, modeling. And this is what comes out of his teaching. He says, guys, Man, this, this world, it's a mess. It's gonna get messier. Stay in the word, don't forget, keep growing. Verse 12, and whether we get here or not, I just want you to see it in context. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. Just love this book. Love Peter's heart. Reminding us of the th- the things we already know, because you need to be reminded of the things you already know. It was so fun praying for people because I didn't feel super spiritual this morning, nor do I now. And and I just laid hands on. I not I didn't have any real divine prophetic words or anything that I, that I know of. And yet I just trusted the Lord. Lord, you just do the things that they already know. The people that came forward, they they you know not that hard. And it's so good, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's just look at these quickly and pull some thoughts. And I just want to encourage you guys more than anything else. As the day gets darker, his return gets nearer. People are freaking out with vaccine and the world and the chaos and the immorality and the pride and it's getting darker isn't it? Absolutely. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah I'm gonna come back. So when I when I see things getting crazier man I put my rapture shoes on, you know what I'm saying <laughs> go to bed with my rapture pants on do some rapture workouts CrossFit gym. Until then, until then, not worried about all the pride, not worried about the vaccine, not worried about it, not my problem. Distractions, in my opinion, just a distraction. Peter said, add these seven things. Got your gi on, you're a your, your karate person, you're saved, cool. Add these things. Look at verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop right there. All these terms he uses, if these things are yours, that's just a normal term, and abound. That's kind of an interesting descriptive word because we could probably take a fine-tooth comb or a magnifying glass and find a little evidence of those seven things in your life. There's probably a little bit of patience in there. You know, there's probably a little bit, a little bit of self-control, you know, (laughs) maybe... hopefully, right? You know, a little bit of brotherly kindness, a little bit of love, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of godliness, a little bit of virtue. He says, if these things are yours and abound. That's what we're looking for. Which is so cool. I prayed for one guy. I think it was Tony again. I'm just gonna pick on Tony all day. I just met Tony today. Hi, Tony. And what I prayed for Tony was, is that that the love of God would would abound, And in Galatians chapter 5, it lists the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and meekness and self control. Then here's how it ends. Listen, against such there is no law. Do you know what that means? It means there's no limit. It's like the Audubon of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Trip out. You ever been to the Audubon? Me neither. But apparently, you go as fast as you want. crazy town. Anyways, when it comes to love, there's no limit. You're actually allowed to love people in a limitless fashion. I have a pretty good limiter of my love. I don't know about you, I have a pretty good governor. Like I, I stop that love when it gets too mushy. I stop that love when it gets too weird. I stop that love when it's being expended upon unlovable people. I tend to give my love out sparingly. I don't know, I got a little bit, I don't have any love left. And yet that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that love is limitless. This is life-changing. And it was fun because I, in praying for Tony, snagged a little bit of his prayer for myself, included myself in it. Do this for me too, Lord which was to be just free to love people, unconditionally like Christ did. If these things are yours, cool, and abound, then he goes on to say you'll never be barren or unfruitful. These are agricultural terms. It's an agricultural society. A lot of farming. Jesus did most of his teachings in an aggregation setting. Jesus took him through the garden of before Gethsemane and John 15, and he taught them about growth. Guys, are you barren or unfruitful? That's what he says. If you have these things, you won't be barren. You won't be unfruitful. The idea is that God wants fruit in your life. This could change everything because most of you are probably working somewhat towards success right now. I want to be successful. Did you know that God is not asking you to be successful? He's asking you to be fruitful. Did you know that you can actually be successful and not fruitful? You can gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul. You can have such big barns that you create bigger barns and yet you're not fruitful. And yet if you're the poorest person in here and have these things and they abound, you're the richest person. Maybe you're all beat up. Maybe you have a divorce or two in your rear view mirror. Things didn't go well. Maybe you're a failure in many people's books. And the Lord says, cool, are you fruitful? Because if you're not fruitful and you're successful in some other term, it doesn't count. If these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just give you three quick things that will help you to produce more fruit. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me and I in you and you'll produce more fruit. That's the deal. Listen, if you're not hanging with Jesus Christ, okay, you're going to become barren and unfruitful. You might become successful. You might even raise a family. You might do some stuff. If you're not hanging with Jesus Christ, eh, unfruitful, barren. The Bible actually says in different translations that barren means useless. Oh man, I'm glad they didn't say that in my Bible. It would have offended me. I'm not useless. Okay, hang with Jesus. Abide in the Lord. Not just abide with Jesus, but soak in his word. Read the Bible. Did you know you can actually read the Bible without the Lord and you can hang with the Lord without the Bible? Don't do that. You need to hang with the Lord, with the Bible, and you need to be with the Bible, with the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? There are religious people that just read the Bible, but they don't connect with the Lord. There are people that just connect with the Lord, but they don't read the Bible, and they're led astray by weird doctrines. Do you want to be fruitful? Yes, I do. Do you want these things to abound? Hang with the Lord, hang in the word of the Lord. Now here's the part I'm gonna punch you right in the throat. Also, the third way to grow is to receive the pruning from the Lord. You ever, you ever grow stuff? There are certain elements of fruit trees and fruit producing vegetables and that they don't actually produce fruit. They're just suckers. And They need to be pruned. They need to be taken back. And you need to care for trees in order for them to produce more fruit. God will prune a tree so it produces more fruit. You might right now in your life be going through a pruning process. God might be exposing some of the things in your life that aren't producing fruit. They're just leafy branches. They're just all for show. They're not really there. They're not beneficial. And God wants to take those things away. Don't raise your hand, but maybe I'll just raise it for you. If you're, in a, I'm in a pruning season right now. Me and the Lord. The Lord saying, Hey Luke, let's just, how you rolling, bro? How are you rolling? Are you fruitful? Or is there barrenness? Is there some unfruitfulness in your life? Here's the good news. God will never give up on you. His word will heal you. His presence will lead you. And his pruning will ultimately bless you. It's not enjoyable at the time, but it does bless you. Look at verse nine. He says, for if, or for he who lacks these things talking about those who don't grow, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Short-sighted. Short-sighted literally means that you only see the here and now and not what's beyond. You ever done this before? You ever live and put all of your stock energy and attention into the moment right in front of you? You ever done that before? It's usually what we do right before we go to jail. I'm saying it just this is all every the only thing that matters is this you know and then everyone's like no there's way more after that. I'm gonna read it again. Once you see this for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he's cleansed from his old sins. Man, you can't see that God is doing stuff, you can't see eternity, you can't see beyond yourself. You're just living in the moment. This is what we all do, by the way. We forget to grow because we can't see eternity. All you see is the bills, all you see is the heartbreak, all you see is the frustration. And when we watch others live for the moment, it doesn't end well. When we've done it ourselves, it's also not fared well for us. Moses said in his psalm, Lord, teach us to number our days so we gain a heart of wisdom. There is a hereafter. There's more to come. How do we become so blind and disinterested in the things of God? I want you to think this through. He says it right here, verse nine. He who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, you can't even see, listen, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You wanna know how we get disinterested in the things of God, how we get cold, how we forget where we came from? Is we, we just forget. You forget what he's done. You forget the blood. You forget what you've been cleansed of. Jesus taught on parables where men would forget they were forgiven and go out and do silly things and, The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt and, like, forgot moments later. And for 40 years, they would forget God's faithfulness. I want to give you guys a couple tips in in being fruitful. Don't neglect the table of communion. Don't neglect going to your knees at your house. Don't neglect turning off the TV and quieting everything around you and just reflecting on what God has done for you. We become short sighted, nearsighted to the point of blindness. Through through life, and yet if you if you if you've ever done this, if you've ever just been taken back and seen all that God has done for you, ah, oh, so refreshing! I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, man. To live as Christ, to die as gain, He's done it for me because I remember. Lest you forget, though, and become short sighted, don't forget that you're cleansed from your old sins. Some of your translations say "purged from old sins." You know how we were purged, right? How we were cleansed. It was through Christ on the cross. It was through the blood. I mean, just, I I can't speak for you guys, but sometimes I walk around with so much pride, so much disinterest, so much silliness, in contrast to what Jesus did for me on the cross. You ever prepared a great meal for your family? and They tell you it doesn't taste good. Wow. Wow. (laughs) What Christ has done for us, don't forget. Therefore, brethren, verse 10, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Some people will take this verse, and it actually becomes argumentative. I I didn't see that until I read a couple commentators that that brought up a thought that, that I didn't see here. And what these commentators say is that that you can actually lose your salvation if you don't have these things. Be sure to make sure your call and election, be sure, I'll read it in verse 10 again. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Are you sure? If you're saved, you'll see these seven things, and you'll see them growing, and you'll see them abounding if you're saved. And so a couple questions. Okay, if you're, and these are questions for people that are maybe not growing. If you're, if you're growing and you know, like, and praise God. You're probably not where you want to be, right? I'm just not where I want to be, but I'm really glad I'm not where I used to be. And I rejoice in what God is making me to be. Praise God. I hope that's the majority of our circle here. I do talk to some people from time to time. They don't know. I don't know. I'm saved, you know. And, and, he, and Peter says, yeah, you better figure it out. First question is, is, are you saved? Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than Going to your garage makes you a car. It's kind of funny. Are you saved? Next question, are are you sure? Are you sure? And I, and I I would hope most of you would be able to say, I'm saved. And by the way, people who struggle with this, how do you know you're saved? The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and was risen from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, you're saved you're saved. If you believe, you have saving faith in Jesus, but we're not just looking for saving faith. Listen, we're looking for transforming grace, where my life is transformed. I become a different person now, and I'm on a trajectory for the rest of my saving life to be a different man or to be a different woman for the glory of God and for the good of others. Be sure. So first question was, are you saved? Second one is, are you sure? And the third one is kind of what Peter's getting at. Are you serious? Are you taking it seriously or or are you aloof, blind, lazy, sinful, short-sighted? Jesus warned that when he returned, he actually said, I wonder if I'm gonna find faith. He warned and said, when he comes back, there would be people who were professed believers that weren't ready, they straight up weren't ready. He gave parables, he gave challenges. He, He did this, by the way, not to be mean, but instead, to 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 clue us in on what's going on, like, guys, this is real. This is this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. Isn't it crazy that we're Americans? At least most of us here. I think you're probably an American. And you're reading the Bible, and you probably read it through an American lens, don't you? Because you're an American. It's what we do. And yet, God's kingdom has been given to humanity thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds hundreds of different people groups and generations. And it has very, very little to do with American ideology or, or America as a whole. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God cares not, okay, what you think outside of what God declares. This book is taught to Every people group, everywhere. And you might have an agenda or a distraction or a, a, a thing. And the Lord says, look, I appreciate it. Thank you for the comment. There's a comment box right over there. We're gonna get to it later. Until then, my kingdom is coming. That's what's going on. Here's the rules. Here's how it works. Be more diligent to make your call in election sure. He says, "If you do these things, you'll never stumble again." That's pretty intense. If you do what things? If you add virtue. If you add self control. If you add knowledge. Let's just let's just go ahead and make sure. I mean, it's, every once in a while, I get a chance to do a little training with people, physical fitness training, and and I start to talk, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised what comes out. And, and what happens is if people listen to what I say and then do it, you know what happens? Physical fitness. It happens. Sweat pours out. Muscles are built. It's crazy. It just happens. There's no, it's not even a secret. It's like not even, there's no patent on physical fitness. So too, Peter here says, if you do these things, you're never going to stumble. Don't, how many of you guys are afraid of stumbling? You're afraid your marriage is going to fall apart. You're afraid your business is going to fall apart. You're afraid your life's gonna fall. Peter says right here, oh, it won't. It won't if you do these things. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like take it or leave it. Like, this is just, it's that simple. Let me interject a thought right now, lest any of you become overwhelmed and discouraged. Zechariah, the prophet, came to Zerubbabel, the priest. Zerubbabel had began his walk with God building the Temple Mount. And yet, as he was building the Temple Mount, he came into some challenges, and he stopped. I think it was about a 14 or 17-year hiatus. The Temple Mount, a symbol of our spirit. And Zechariah came to Zerubbabel, and he said, you're going to finish what you began. You're actually going to lay the capstone. Now, Zerubbabel must have given up at this point. His life was so out of whack, and the government had shut him down. And you, you can read the story. It's in Where? Ezra? I think it's in the book of Ezra. Everywhere in Nehemiah. And yet, Zerubbabel is given the best news he's ever heard. I'm going to give it to you right now, too. Zechariah says it this way, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zerubbabel. And he won't even let him off the hook. Zerubbabel, I called you. You're not going to. No, there's no quitting. No crying in baseball. Step up, we're going forward. Oh, but it's not your power. Some of you right now are note takers and thinkers, like, okay, I gotta add these things. Oh man, it's gonna be a tough week. I gotta be more loving, uh, mm, virtue, uh, I, know. I mean, isn't it crazy how your flesh is just right there to combat against the commands of God? John tells us that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Your flesh hates them, but the commands of the Lord bring life. You know what's burdensome? Being blind, stumbling around, having your life fall apart. That stinks. That stinks. Being bankrupt when it comes to love or godliness or patience or self-control, that's not okay. You want to never stumble? Add these things. For so an entrance will be supplied to you, verse 11, last verse, Abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is doctrine. This is a statement from the Apostle Peter. If you add these things, he says simply two things. Number one, you won't stumble. Life down here will get better for you. The world is going to try and sell you the same solution do this and you won't stumble, pursue this and you won't stumble. Pursue this and you'll win. Pursue this and you'll be full. Pursue this. and Bankrupt. God says, add to your faith these seven things and you'll never stumble. And when you get to heaven, boom, the doors are gonna fly open. An abundant entrance will be supplied for you. Years and years ago, I wanted to go to this outdoor venue called the Ashland Creek Bar and Grill. I was 20 years old, so I was one year shy of being allowed to go in. So I found a way in. And it was in the back of the property there with a little overpass on Siskiy Boulevard, and you had to drop down about eight or nine feet and land in the grass. And and so I I did that. I wanted to join this party. And I remember I, by nightfall, dropped nine feet to the ground and dusted myself off and walked in and started to mingle with some people and make new friends and This real cool-looking guy was staring at me the whole time. And he walked up to me and said, hey, can I see your ID? (laughs) And I said, oh, shoot, man, you know. And he just kept smiling. He'd been watching me the whole time. And he kept smiling. He said, why don't you go ahead and uh, go back the same way you came in? And the door was right behind him. I said, I'll just go out the front door. He's like, no, no, go back the same way you came in. About a nine-foot wall-head scale. It was the opposite of an abundant entrance being supplied for me. (laughs) Oh, man. Lord, forgive me. Here's the deal. Listen, a lot of you guys think that when you get to heaven, they're gonna ask for your ID and ask you to leave. It's not true. You're gonna be welcomed. You're gonna be celebrated. You're gonna be comforted you're going to be healed. And if you believe that, and if you add these things to your life, you'll neither stumble. You'll have a great life here. It's up to you. You'll have a great entrance there. This is what Pete says. In a couple of verses he's going to say, "I'm telling you this because I'm going to die just like Jesus told me." And I'm not even arguing. My day has come. They're crucifying people tomorrow. Jesus had already told me I'm gonna die this way. I'm gonna have my entrance, guys. And if you believe these things, I don't know what to tell you guys at this point, except what I told you earlier. James says, don't just listen to Bible studies. Nod your head. Underline, agree, and take notes. Don't do that. And then forget what you heard. But instead be a doer. And again, wouldn't it be awesome if you said, Oh, okay, I'm gonna take this Christianity thing seriously. I'm gonna try this whole love thing out. <laughs> Woo! You come back next week, it's amazing, it's great, I feel so good, I'm so full, everything's going around, there's no more stumbling, I just love everybody. <laughs> or, or, or not. Or you stay with your white belt, you don't advance the next to color. Jesus is our example, Jesus is our power, Jesus is our hope. How fun is this? Catch yourself this week. May the Lord give us a short leash. May the Lord give us a little reflection of ourself when we're unloving, when we're not adding these things, when we're just kind of coming up short. Wouldn't that be awesome if the Holy Spirit just gave you a little rebuke? Just a little bit. Just like your coach would come up to you and say, hey, you're you just, you know, like, you know. I'm gonna pray. Would you guys bow your heads? Lord, in Jesus' name, would you anoint us with a conviction? that leads, Lord, to an addition, that leads, Lord, to a transformation, that leads, Lord, to glorification, that leads, Lord, to a change. We, we love you. We need you. And I pray, God, that you would go with us now. Forgive us of our sins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about this world, not about this country. Lord, it's not. It's about the kingdom that is coming. It is about our faith. Is it about our love? It's about these things. If these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be blind nor unfruitful nor unprofitable. Lord, may we be profitable. May we be fruitful. May we be ready for your return. We love you so much, Jesus. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen.